female folk singer is dead after she was attacked by a pair of coyotes. What is the monkey doing? Tell me what's going on. He ripped her face off! We actually have a trainer in the water with one of our whales. If I show weakness, if I retreat, I may be hurt, I may be killed. Baby Azaria Chamberlain was taken by a dingo back in 1980. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Man It Is The Only True Crime Podcast on the internet where all the killers are real animals. Whether it's biting, scratchings, maulings, or clawings, we're here to talk about it. As always, I'm your host, uh, Big Papa Bear Jimby, the most funny with the most tummy. Uh, Big, Big Papa Plump, uh, James Chapman is my name, and I'm so glad you're here for another episode of Man It Is, episode 68. Eight? Guys, we're really close to the funny number. Next week, it's, it's going to be episode 69 next week, and we'll have a funny episode about, um, what a little bit, it'll be about a dude who 69's a goat. Uh, no, it won't be about that. Um, although I actually, now that I think about it, I do not doubt that that's happened before. And, uh, it, that fact kind of makes me a little, a little sad, uh, for the goat. And for the dude, I guess. I, I guess I feel bad for the dude who wanted to do that. I feel more bad for the goat. Um, cause the goat can't consent to 69ing, can it? Really? If you think about it, no animals can, um, consent to 69 except for like a little, little, uh, shrimp. Cause they're shaped like a little six and a little nine and you can just put them on your plate and make them look like a little 69. Why am I got to save this good content for next week, guys? This is, this is killer stuff. That's, this is golden Mike worthy stuff. Uh, <laughs> what, what is this introduction? You'd think after 67 episodes, I'd be, um, I'd be a little bit better at introducing the show, but no, it's, it's, uh, one of those areas in which my skill is, is lacking. Um, and my skill also lacks in 69. So it all it all ties together really, really well. Uh, guys, welcome back to another episode. Today, we are talking about birds of prey, specifically birds that prey on humans. Although, I guess less, more accurately, birds that just have beef with humans. They, they don't like us and they kick at us and they swoop at us, but they don't necessarily call, call us prey, I guess. I, you know what? I think it's, it's, it's time I came clean to you all for listening. Um, you know, I... I I've been doing this podcast for over two years now, I think, or nearly two years, uh, and there is a secret that I haven't really explained very well on the show yet, and uh, it's it's time I kind of came clean, I think. Um, I fucking hate birds, all right? I don't... I, I don't like birds. They are, they are scary. They are, like, they're too... They can fly. They defy God, Okay? They, God didn't want us to fly. If animals were supposed to fly, God would have given them jetpacks, okay? Uh, uh, I don't like that, and I don't like birds, okay? I have my own previous experience with birds attacking me. I have been swooped by a butcher bird that left a, a three-centimeter gash on my cheek when I had to go and do my drama assessment task, and that wasn't part That wasn't part of it. I had to say, thank you for clapping. Thank you for listening. Um, just so you know, the bleeding face is not part of the monologue. The monologue was about something other than my face being torn open by a, a feisty little bird outside the school, okay? That's happened to me. And when I was little, I was attacked by a swan, okay? 
And you might laugh at that, but swans are very dangerous animals, okay? Uh, did you know that people can drown from being attacked by swans? Because what happens is they're in the water, and then the swan comes along, and you go, oh, it's just a swan. Hello, Mr. Swan. And then the swan um, clubs you with its wing. They have, like, these bony, elbowy parts of their wing, and they can cl- and they can break your leg. And you break your leg, and you fall in the water, and you drown. And that nearly happened to me, and I was with my mum, and I was with my sister, and they both giggled. Oh, they how they giggled how they thought it was a funny little goof that old little jimmy was getting bullied by a goose or a swan uh but no it could have been serious mum. i've never moved on from that trauma as a child uh but we're not talking about uh gooses and swans today we're talking about um three particularly dangerous uh birds two flightless and one flighted uh that can cause significant damage to people uh, they have killed people before all three of them I'm sure, and we're going to get into those right now. So please, uh, I don't know what, what to tell you. I don't know what else to say, guys. Get, are you ready? Put your penises away, okay, and get ready. <laughs> Let's talk about some dangerous boids. <laughs> So we are going to talk about several types of dangerous birds, but it's first to talk about bird attacks in general. Now, when you think about it, um, birds are actually probably the least dangerous sub like type of animal. Um, I can't remember what you call them. Uh, or kingdom, you know, you've got the animal kingdom and you have your different subsections of the animal kingdom. You've got your reptiles and your mammals and your fish and your birds. Birds, when you really get down to it, they're the least dangerous to humans because obviously with mammals, we've got like lions and tigers and bears, oh my, and we've got, when you think about fish well sharks are a kind of fish and they eat people they gobble them right up but then you also have types of fish that are just regular fish that are assholes like stonefish and lionfish um think about insects how many people die from mosquitoes a year or ants or arachnids spiders and scorpions very dangerous even amphibians right even amphibians frogs and newts you have fucking frogs that can shoot poison darts out of their faces okay so they're they're also dangerous and then of course with reptiles sharks uh, sharks, crocodiles and snakes and weird lizards there's even a lizard in mexico that like has poisonous spit and if it bites you you die i think it's called like a gila monster it's not even called a lizard it's called monster so all these other animals uh subspecies what do you call sections of the animal kingdom uh quite dangerous birds not as dangerous but there are a few uh types of birds that can cause significant damage and injury to people and up to and including death as well so fatal bird attacks on humans are extremely rare um and there's no known uh, bird species that is inherently and consistently uh, fatal to humans. No, they don't. They don't hunt us or anything like that. Um, now, some birds can cause dangerous injuries. The risk of uh, bird causing death is extremely low. Um, you know, I, I would say that um, one of the ways that you're most likely to die from a bird is if a bird strikes your windshield uh, while you're driving a car, or worse, if you're in an airplane. Um, we, all, we, of course, all remember what happened to Sully when a bunch of fucking geese flew into his engines like a bunch of idiots. Uh, so it's important to remember that humans are not ever typical prey or threat to birds. Most birds will avoid confrontations when possible, and most birds can fly away from us, which other animals cannot do. Um, so but that being said, there are certain factors that can increase the risk of injury or harm from a bird encounter. And there's several uh, species of birds that under the right circumstances 
circumstances uh, can be considered very dangerous to humans. Um, most bird species are completely harmless and pose little to no threat, uh, but some species can exhibit aggressive behavior um, and they have physical characteristics that can cause real harm to people. Um, so we're going to talk about a few examples today. And the number one uh, bird that we're going to talk about today is the, the one that I first thought of when I thought, what's a dangerous bird? It's, of course, the cassowary. Now, the cassowary, man, the cassowary is just a fucking straight up dinosaur. If you look up a photo of a cassowary, just the its head. Um, it's it's straight up like from Jurassic Park, man. If you uh, follow us on Instagram, I do a weekly like post telling you what episode is out. And look at the photo. Go look at it now because it'll be up. Look at the photo of that cassowary, my guy. That is a straight up pterodactyl fucking thing. Uh, they're terrifying. And I've seen a few cassowaries in real life. Um, let's talk about them. Okay, so cassowaries are found um, in Australia and uh, New Guinea. Um, now, they're large, flightless birds known for their powerful kicks. Um, they are related to emus and ostriches and uh, rhea as well. Uh, those are its closest living relatives in the animal kingdom. Um, <clears throat> Cassowaries have long dagger-like claws on their feet um, that they use for self-defense mostly from other animals. Um, now, but the thing is, cassowaries have been known uh, to attack humans um, if they feel threatened, and their kicks can cause serious injuries and have on several occasions been uh, very fatal. Fatal interactions with cassowaries are extremely rare, of course, as with any fatal interaction with any animal. Um, but there have been several documented cases uh, in which these birds have caused significant injuries that have resulted in death. Um, I remember when I was young, I had a book, my parents gave me a book uh, about Australia's dangerous animals and the cassowary was one of, and there was a story and I, I was not able to find um, any other evidence of this story and I don't have that book anymore. So I'm just going off my own like anecdotal memory of that book. But it, there was a story that a woman was kicked in the chest by a cassowary and the, the, um, the dagger-like claw uh, on its foot penetrated her, her heart, essentially, and killed her, like, instantly. Uh, I could not find that story anywhere on the internet, so I don't know if... I, I can't say if that's true, but the following stories that we are about to talk about did happen, and there is evidence about them, so we'll talk about those uh, in just a moment. Um, now, like I've said, th there are several documented uh, cases. Uh, these cases are outliers, though, okay? The vast majority of cassowary encounters don't result in any harm. They will walk off. They might get a little aggressive, but they will hop off. So here are a couple of notable incidents where cassowaries have caused uh, injuries and, and, yes, even death. So uh, during World War II, uh, cassowaries had a reputation for being dangerous to people and domestic animals. Uh, during the war, American and Australian troops who were stationed in Papua New Guinea were warned to steer clear of them. That was part of their actual orders from their, from their commanding officers. Don't fuck with the weird dinosaur birds, I think that's what they said. Um, in 1958, there was a book written. It was called The Living Birds of the World. Uh, it was written by ornithologi ornithologist Ernest Thomas Gilliard, or Gillard, I think it's how it was pronounced, Ernest Thomas Gillard, he wrote, the inner or second of the three toes is fitted with a long, straight, murderous nail, which can sever an arm or eviscerate an abdomen with ease. There are many records of natives being killed by this bird. I just want to make a little sidebar and say how much I, I like the word murderous being used to describe a body part. <laughs> My ex-wife has a murderous pussy. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, this assertment of um, danger posed by cassowaries, it's been 
repeated many times in uh, print by many authors, including Gregory S. Paul and Jared Diamond. Um, there was a historical study in 2003 of 221 cassowary attacks, and it showed that of those, 150 of them had been against humans. 75% of these had been from cassowaries that had been fed by people. 71% of the time, the bird had chased or charged the victim, and only in 15% of the times, they actually kicked at the victim. Of these attacks, 73% involved the birds expecting or snatching food, and 5% involved defending their natural food resources. 15% involved defending themselves and 7% involved defending their chicks or their eggs. There was only one human death reported amongst all 150 of those attacks. Um, I'm sure you're wondering, there was 221 attacks, but only 150 against humans. The other ones are against domestic animals such as dogs uh, and cattle and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, obviously uh, the, the cassowary is not a, it's not it's not going out hunting dudes, okay? It's not stalking its prey and stabbing you in the twat while you're asleep at night. No, it's not doing that. It's the majority of it, of these cases are when the cassowaries uh, become accustomed. It's like a bear become accustomed to humans feeding it, uh, and then you just get too close and, and you get stabbed with a weird toe. Um, yeah. So the first reported uh, or documented human death caused by a cassowary was in 1926 um, on April 6th. It was in Australia, um, and 16-year-old Philip McLean and his brother, who was 13, they'd come across across a cassowary that was on their property, and like all, you know, boys will be boys, they decided that they were going to try to kill the thing with some clubs, um, which when I'm reading this story, it's said very matter-of-factly, but I don't know if, like, people have always been like this. I don't know. People aren't like that today. I don't think if a cassowary walked into my house, maybe if it was in my house, I'd try to kill it. But if it's on my property, I would just be like, oh, cool, fucking a Tyrannosaurus Rex bird walked in. But I don't know if I'd try to kill it with clubs. Anyway, um, it didn't end well for the, for the kids. So um, the bird kicked the younger brother, who fell and he ran away as his older brother struck the bird trying to defend him. The older brother then, uh, he tripped and he fell to the ground, which is a very horror movie thing to happen. He tripped over and fell to the ground. While he was on the ground, and this, is, this part is, is quite brutal. While he was on the ground, the cassowary kicked him in the neck, opening up a 1.25 centimeter wound, which is uh, about 0.49 inches, that severed, completely severed his jugular vein. The boy died later of his injuries, uh, blood loss, very quickly. He died straight away. That's the first known uh, or documented death in Australia of a cassowary attack. Um, so, yeah, it was very unfortunate. That's the moral of the story, boys, is if you see a bird, don't try to club it to death. Just go and, I don't know, go and go, read a book. Leave it. It's fine. It's just a bird. Cassowary strikes to the abdomen are among the rarest of all, but in one case in 1995, there was a dog that was kicked in the belly. Um, the blow left no puncture, but several a severe internal bruising and bleeding occurred. The dog later died from an apparent in intestinal rupture, which is very brutal. Now, there was a very recent... Um, cassowary that attack that actually occurred and i'm going to give you it, it was in it was in the u.s i'm going to give you five seconds to guess where in the u.s this happened uh, you want some thinking music you are thinking you are thinking thinking of the answer thinking of the answer it's florida yeah it was florida <laughs> in april in 2019 so only four years ago 
A tragic uh, and highly publicized incident occurred in Florida in the United States, uh, which involved a fatal cassowary attack. Uh, Marvin Hayos, uh, a 75-year-old man, year old man from Gainesville, uh, he owns several exotic animals on his property, which is always a red flag, ladies. Uh, if you're on Tinder, if he has a, a bunch of exotic animals, duh, no, bad, bad, bad man, bad man. Um, so he owns several exotic animals, uh, including several cassowaries. Uh, cassowaries are not native to Florida, but are sometimes kept as exotic pets. Huh. Weird that you want to keep a dinosaur as a pet. According to reports, uh, Hayos fell inside the cassowary enclosure on his property. One of the cassowaries, a male bird weighing around 130 pounds, attacked him. The bird inflicted serious injuries with its sharp claws, resulting in the death of the man. Authorities responded to the incident and the cassowary was later euthanized. Um, this particular incident, it garnered um, significant media attention uh, because it's, so, it's, a, it's such a rare um, and unique bird that was involved in the death, especially in, uh, in, in America. I, I'm actually interested, uh, Americans, have you ever heard of a, of a cassowary before? Sometimes I take it for granted, obviously living in Australia and being from here, that... Um, that this animal exists uh, with a lot of the weird, you know, um, native wildlife that, that lives here. But uh, I, I wonder if it's like an internationally um, recognized animal. I'm, I'm curious about that. Um, yeah, so it's, it's quite sad. The, the, look, it's it, this incident kind of highlighted the importance um, of responsible ownership uh, and the proper handling of exotic animals. Now, my personal feeling is that, like, you know, random Joe blogs down the street probably shouldn't be owning a macaque and a cassowary and a goddamn puma in his backyard. Uh, America has insane loose laws when it comes to what animals you can own. Um, you know, I, my my feeling is that these animals need to be kept on sanctuaries or in zoos uh, if they're going to be kept in captivity at all. That um, they need to be kept in places and with people who know what they're doing. Um, that that's my feeling. But you know, keeping and interacting with large and potentially dangerous animals like cassowaries needs to be approached with expertise and caution. That's that's my feeling. Now, there are a couple historical incidences uh, of uh, people being fatally wounded by cassowaries. Um, uh, these mostly occurred in, in Papua New Guinea and Australia. These incidents often involve people hunting or provoking the birds and the cassowaries defending themselves by using their uh, powerful kicks and their sharp claws. However, as I said many times before, these cases are exceedingly rare. It's really crucial to, um, to emphasize that cassowaries, um, like any wild animal, they need to be treated with caution and respect. Um, you know, they, they have a potential to be dangerous, uh, but they will generally avoid confrontation and they're only going to exhibit aggression if they feel threatened, cornered, or they need to protect their nests or their offspring. But one thing I will add there is it's, it's all well and good to say that and to think that and to know that, but um, it's important to recognize that you might not know when they're feeling threatened or cornered. You might not know what actions you're doing to make them feel that way. So the best advice is just to steer clear. If you're in the rainforest in the Queensland or Papua New Guinea and you see a, a cassowary, the best thing you can do, man, is just to steer clear of it. Just leave it alone. So we're going to move on from cassowaries. Um, to the cassowary's older brother. Uh, of course, we're talking about the ostrich. The ostrich, it's the largest of the bird species, um, and they have 
powerful legs, which they can use for defense or as a means of escape. They also have uh, fairly sharp toes, not uh, dissimilar to the cassowary, but not as exaggerated as the cassowary. The cassowary has a full-on dagger toe, whereas ostriches have, uh, I guess, more of a toned-down version of that, but they are still dangerous. Um, ostriches generally will avoid confrontation with humans. Um, but they do like display aggressive behavior when they're threatened or cornered. Same with cassowaries. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about ostriches. So they have a really well-developed uh, fight or flight response. When an ostrich perceives a threat, its instinct is usually to run away. And they're really fast. They're fast fucking birds. They can reach up to speeds of like 40 kilometers per hour, which is like 64 kilometers um, in Australia. In, in, uh, what do you call it? Imper- no, whatever. 64 kilometers an hour. <laughs> Imperial, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, Metric, <laughs> metric. Why, am I, why did I forget that? Imperial is miles. Uh, 64 kilometers, that's like, if you're uh, just struggling to picture what that is, that's the speed at like most roads in Sydney and Newcastle. Like that's as fast as a car. Um, but if the ostriches, for whatever reason, they feel like they can't escape or they feel trapped, they will resort to defensive behavior, which includes kicking with their powerful legs and also pecking with their big old peckers, their little uh, beaks. They have long legs, they have sharp claws, the kicks are very powerful and potentially injurious. Um, their legs can deliver strong blows capable of causing serious harm to humans or other perceived threats. I've seen videos of ostriches kick, uh, I think I, I saw one kick a hyena or maybe it was a lion and just man, the fucking lion went down and broke its ribs, dude. It was not good. Uh, yet the force of this ostrich kick is enough to break bones and cause other significant injuries, including internal bleeding. During uh, breeding season, that's when the ostriches become territorial and they'll display defensive behavior to protect their nests and offspring. So that's the most dangerous time to get near them in the wild. Of course, ostriches live in lots of places, but they are native to Africa. Australia does have ostriches. I think there are some ostriches like in the wild in some places here, although I could be mistaken. I think I might be mistaken, but yeah, they, they're African birds essentially. Um, so if, if someone ventures too close to an ostrich nest, especially if, uh, the female is like incubating its eggs, the male ostrich will become aggressive and attempt to defend its area. Um, ostriches are, are generally really wary of humans. They don't want to have anything to do with us. They'll try to avoid us, but if they're threatened or provoked, um, they will respond aggressively. It's really important to give ostriches space. If you're in the savannah, I don't know why you're near it, but still in 2018, a zookeeper, um, was attacked really badly by an ostrich after the bird, um, went berserk and zoo goers had to watch along in horror. Um, the ostrich charged the man, toppled him over, and repeatedly kicked him with the sharp claws while the zookeeper tried to escape. First reports that the zoo worker had several broken ribs, but the zoo then claimed that he was unhurt from his ordeal and he did not require hospital treatment. Ostriches are capable of killing lions as well as humans uh, with their sharp claws um, on each of their two-toed feet. The attack was high, uh, the attack highlighted uh, was highlighted on Russian news, um, and one of the eyewitnesses told them the bird was throwing him here and there for a while. So they are quite strong, and they can uh, use their very powerful nectar to throw you about. The reports claimed that the male ostrich mistook the man for a rival during its mating season, uh, but others said that he had poked the bird with a mop handle, which had infuriated it. Which you know, um, yeah, would would probably annoy me too. So. Ostriches, while not as documented as dangerous as cassowaries, um, they they obviously can be, and it is important to uh, give them, uh, you know, 
enough space to work if they're especially if they're in mating season it's really important now one animal that we uh um that's related to ostriches and cassowaries that we're not going to spend any time talking about is emus i've spent a lot of time talking about emus emus in a similar way to ostriches they can be dangerous but only when they're threatened uh they can kick they can bite but they're generally not a fatal animal um of course i, I did a whole episode on the great emu war very early on it's probably one of those episodes we'll go back and redo now that i kind of know what i'm doing with this podcast um but yeah the great emu war really interesting topic go back and listen to that i think it was like within the first like 15 episodes so if you want to hear about emus there those emus in that story by the way were not aggressive at all they were just nuisances they were knocking down fences and pecking corn i'm pretty sure uh, but there is another australian animal um, that is quite dangerous and if you're an australian and you're listening you have experience with this animal i guarantee you have experience with this animal because we all do of course i'm talking about the magpie more specifically i'm talking about the australian magpie now magpies are common birds they're found all over the world the world um now, during, but during the nesting season, they become territorial and display aggressive behavior. Australian magpies, the common Australian magpie, is particularly uh, aggressive when it comes to this. I've been swooped many times. Um, the story I told at the beginning of the episode was not actually about a magpie. It was about a butcher bird, um, which displays a similar swooping behavior. But magpies are, uh, like, everyone I know has been swooped by a magpie. It's um, it, it's it's a really bad problem in Australia. We take it for granted, but um, it, it can be quite terrifying. In fact, when I, um, I, when I was little, there was a, a thing in regional schools where kids had to have, like, they would get like an empty ice cream container, like a big plastic ice cream container, and they would draw eyes on the back of it, and they would put it on their heads when they were walking to and from school to avoid like getting their heads cracked open by by magpies. So we'll talk a little bit about it. Magpies, um, they've been known to aggressively swoop at people, uh, cyclists and joggers, and they target the head. It's an attempt to protect their nests. Um, now, while the attacks are startling, and they really are, they sometimes result in minor injuries. They're very rarely very serious, but there have been cases that have led to serious injury which we'll talk about soon uh, magpie attacks are common uh, more common than uh, attacks by larger birds such as cassowaries and ostriches in fact I, I mean i don't know i would have to imagine magpie attacks have got to be the most common form of bird attacks um discounting you know domesticated animals um, magpies they're known for protective behavior during nesting season, which typically occurs in the spring in Australia. So in Australia, the spring are the months of, uh, what would it be? Uh, was it uh, August, September, October? No, uh, September, October, November. That's the spring here in Australia. And that's where they're most dangerous. So we're, we are actually heading into that very soon. Um, they're territorial birds. They become protective when they have nests uh, with eggs and chicks. Uh, and they perceive humans as potential threats during this period. They will swoop down to defend their nesting area. They'll also do it to other animals, such as dogs. Um, and it's important to know, you know, you don't always know when there's going to be a magpie nest. You're just out of nowhere, you'll start getting swooped and it's uh, not a good time. Magpies exhibit swooping behavior during breeding season. This involves flying down towards perceived intruders, sometimes making contact or pecking at the person's head or face. They also will go for your ears a lot too. The swooping is an attempt to deter the intruder and to protect their nest. And I've got to say, it's quite effective. Um, magpies often provide warning signs before swooping. Um, these signs can include loud vocalizations, uh, the flapping of their wings and dive bombing from nearby trees. They may also show aggression by snapping their beaks together as a warning signal. Magpies typically target the head and the face of perceived threats. This is likely because they have a reference for protecting their own vulnerable eye region from potential predators. 
So, um, yeah, magpies, typically they will they'll tr- go for your head nice. So there's some of the stories that I've heard that, that are quite, you know, <laughs> dangerous. I, there have been stories of um, men and women and children who've had their eyes actually removed by magpies. Now, they usually go for the back of the head when they're swooping, um, but if you turn around, it's not going to stop anyway. It'll go for your eyes. It doesn't like to go for the eyes because it knows that the eyes are like, that's where the predator sees you and it'll attack you. But if it's going to go for your, anywhere, it's going to go for there as well. So people have lost their eyes from this. Um, th- thankfully, I believe not too recently, but other people get injured in other ways. If they're riding bikes and they get swooped, they can fall off their bikes, leading to very serious injuries, including road rash and yeah, concussions and broken bones as well. Um, magpies are ubiquitous in urban areas all over Australia. Um, they're, they're everywhere. Uh, they're, they're, we have magpies that live in our backyard. They're beautiful animals, by the way. I love magpies, but they are assholes three months of the year. Um, they've become accustomed to people. Now, sometimes uh, a small percentage of the birds can become highly aggressive during the breeding season. Um, uh, and occasionally it, what has to happen is the, the council will have to send in people to kill magpies. Unfortunately, when they get really aggressive and they swoop, like particularly if it's in a, a like a high walkway area, like a park or, or a footpath or something like that, um, they will they will attack everyone and anyone who goes past. And essentially the only way to stop it is by sadly killing the parent, which then obviously dooms the, the chicks and the, and the eggs as well, which is, which is really sad. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's really bad. I remember that it happened at our school. Um, when I was younger, there was a magpie in a tree that had moved to a tree where its nest was. And um, yeah, it would just swoop everyone. That, that area became... People were missing class. People were running late to class because they had to go the long way around the school to get to classes. Um, eventually, the school... Um, yeah, they brought in... A, it wasn't the police, but it was like some sort of animal person and they, they shot them. But yeah, police have shot magpies before as well. Um, yeah, they, they, it happens a lot. Um, attacks... Um, yeah, they occur like through most of Australia. Um, although apparently Tasmanian magpies are much less aggressive than their mainland counterparts. I don't really know why. Magpie attacks can cause injuries, but they're typically confined to wounds to the head. Um, now being unexpectedly swooped while cycling, as I said, can result in a loss of control of the bicycle, which can cause to injury. And there have been fatal accidents as well, but they're not counted as magpie incidents uh, on the coroner's report. They're, they're road incidents, basically, by riding into a car or something like that. Magpies may also engage in an escalating series of behaviors to drive off intruders. The least threatening are alarm calls and distance swoops, um, where the birds fly within several meters from behind or perch nearby. Um, next in intensity are those close swoops where a magpie will swoop from behind uh, or the side and audibly snap their beaks uh, or even peck or bike at the face, neck, ears or eyes. Most rarely, a bird may dive bomb and strike the intruders, usually a cyclist's head with its chest. A magpie may rarely attack by landing on the ground in front of a person and lurching up and landing in the victim's chest and pecking at the eyes and face. That is a, that's a bad way to go, man. Wow. So yeah, magpies, probably the most common form of bird attack. They're generally not too bad. Um, cassowary is very intense. It doesn't happen very often, but yet you can get stabbed and disemboweled, essentially. And also just because of their sheer size are pretty terrifying to come against. But like we said in the outset, you know, birds are not currently... Um, a species that we need to to think about very often. We're not. We don't have to be too worried about birds. This is this has not always been the case, however. I want to talk about one more bird. That's uh, fortunately for us, it's extinct. Um, I'm talking about a bird from New Zealand called the Hass eagle. So the Hass eagle 
It's a massive, thankfully extinct bird of prey that once inhabited New Zealand. It was named after Sir Julius von Haast, a German geologist and explorer who played a significant role in its discovery. So the Haast eagle was one of, if not the largest known eagle species to have ever existed. It had a wingspan that was estimated to be around 2.6 to 3 meters long. That's 7 to 10 feet for the Americans listening. And it weighed up to 14 to 18 kilograms, which for a bird, remember, they need to be light so they can fly. That is heavy. Its size and weight are comparable to some small aircraft. Think, just think about that. It had a robust build and it was adapted to hunt large prey, um, including uh, large flightless birds, including the moa, which is another extinct species of bird. Um, due to its size and strength, it could swoop down from the sky and could take prey that weighed up to 500 pounds, which is 227 kilograms, guys, which is far larger than any prey typically hunted by modern eagles. Haas's eagle likely used its powerful talons to grasp and kill its prey. Now, the Haas eagle became extinct around 600 years ago, which is not that long ago, to really, to be frank, shortly after the decline and extinction of its made food source, the moa. The extinction of the moa likely led to the eagle's demise as it lo- loses its primary source of sustenance. Additionally, the arrival of humans in New Zealand introduced the pressures such as habitat modification and hunting, which may have contributed to the eagle's extinction. Now, we know about the Haas eagle because fossils were discovered in several areas in New Zealand, providing scientists with insights into its anatomy, behavior, and ecological role. The fossils have enabled researchers to reconstruct the eagle's physical features and have estimated its size and lifestyle. It has, um, you know, the extinction of the eagle along with the moa, it had a significant impact on New Zealand's ecosystem. The loss of this, you know, the large herbivore, which is the moa and their primary predator, resulted in a major uh, ecological change and it altered the dynamics of the island's biodiversity. Today, the Haas eagle is an iconic symbol of New Zealand's prehistoric fauna. Its impressive size and predatory nature make it a fascinating subject of scientific study and captures the imagination of all New Zealanders interested in ancient ecosystems and extinct species. Now, there is an article that came out a while ago um, that kind of indicated that the Haas eagle was, was, it could have killed people. Now, um, it's, it's it, there's no there's no evidence there's no uh, evidence that it ever did kill humans um but it could have and that's, that's and and that's the thing you know like i was talking to my partner about this the other day there's no ecological evidence that like megalodon would kill people if people were around right but it would if they were there and it's the same with this like there's no there's no evidence that it happened but like but why not uh, and I don't even know what like evidence you would you would find about that. I guess like maybe a dude's skeleton in a big nest. I don't know. Anyway, it's a massive scary animal, and I'm and I'm glad it doesn't exist anymore. I'm really glad that it died. I'm sad that the moa died though. It's a really cute one. Yeah. So let's talk about birds in general. Obviously, the variety of birds they pose no significant danger to human beings. Um, now, it's always a good idea to observe and respect birds' natural behavior and to maintain a safe distance, especially during breeding seasons. Um, and if you encounter an aggressive bird, the, the best thing you can do is just retreat calmly and to avoid provoking or threatening the bird any further. If you have any concerns about birds or their behavior in your area, um, it's recommended that you just contact local wildlife authorities or bird experts, if you know a bird expert, who can provide specific guidelines and advice based on your location.
And that's that, guys. That is all the information I can find about birds of prey or birds that prey on humans specifically. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a break now, everybody. We're going to hear a message, and we'll be back very soon. Go and have a wee. Hey guys, while well, I've got you on a little break, I want to talk to you about a show I have coming up. I'm directing a production of The War of the Worlds, the famous radio play from the 1930s, 1938, I believe. Uh, That's going to be done in the first week of August in Newcastle, New South Wales. So if you're in the area, please come check it out. I'm working with Hunter Drama and a fantastic group of young people, the cast of uh, 14 people. They're, they're aged between 12 and nearly 17, I think. And we have a fantastic team of Foley artists as well. It's been a great... Uh, you know, challenge to do the show, but also a lot of fun and it's very rewarding. It's a great show. It's about an hour long. If you want tickets, you can go to civictheatre.com and uh, look that up and uh, book those tickets and come along and support them. And if you're uh, not in Newcastle, well, you don't have to do that at all. Uh, you can just ignore this. All right, back to the episode. Oh, and we are back. Did you have a good break? You know what I did? I looked at a TikTok and I saw a man. I saw I saw a woman actually with her boobs out. That was great. Do you ever get those on TikTok every now and again? Just like a naked lady. It's uh, God bless the United States, honestly. All right, let's move on to our next segment, which is of course the scratch of the day. Scratch of the day, of course, the segment where we look at news articles uh, about animal attacks that have occurred recently, and we talk about them. We've got three interesting stories for you. I've got an otter story. I've got a bear story. And I've got, uh, what was the other one? Oh, yeah. I've got a rabies story, a fox story. We're going to start uh, with the bear story. Okay. The uh, Eyewitness News, ABC7, reports a sheep herder awoken and viciously attacked by a bear in the middle of the night. Uh, so, this report is from ABC News in Chicago, and it's written by John Hayworth. So, thanks, John. Uh, this is from July 14th this year, so pretty recently. A sheep herder has survived after a bear woke him up and viciously attacked him in the middle of the night, authorities say. The bear attack happened at approximately 1am near a camp in the Wemunchu wilderness above Lemon Reserve located roughly 23 miles northeast of Durango, Colorado, according to a statement from a Colorado Parks and Wildlife official. The victim is reportedly being woken up by the disturbance at the camp involving his sheep and a black bear, CPW said. The victim reported having fired a 30-30 caliber rifle at the bear before it attacked him. The unnamed 35-year-old man was a herder working for a permit holder of a sheep grazing allotment on the San Juan National Forest, authorities say, and he sustained bite wounds to his head as well as additional wounds to his left hand and arm, severe lacerations to his left hip area and scratches on his back during the attack. This is an unfortunate incident and we are thankful that the victim was able to contact help to get emergency services deployed and that he was able to be extracted and receive necessary medical care, said CPW Area Wildlife Manager Adrian Archulia. Archuleta. Sorry. The herder was able to crawl to his tent and to contact his cousin following the attack, according to CPW, and emergency services were able to locate and airlift him to Mercy Regional Medical Center, where he, is received, where he received initial treatment before being flown to Grand Junction for surgery. The man's current condition is unknown. 
CPW was notified of the attack at 4am. Three wildlife officers were at the Transfer Park trailhead and on the scene of the camp near the, blunt, the Burnt Timber Trail by 8.30am, CPW said in a press release following the attack. They quickly discovered a blood trail, the victim's rifle, and collected multiple DNA samples of the, from the attack scene. CPW also discovered two dead sheep at the site with wounds consistent with bear predation. Unsure if the bear had been hit by any of the rifle shots fired by the victim, CPW officers began to search for the animal involved in the attack and contacted an agent from the U.S. Department of Agriculture Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service, the APHIS, with a team of dogs to try and search for it. The dog team arrived at the scene at 5pm and began to work the scene. Soon after, the hounds alerted a scent trail on the south side of the creek drainage and were immediately in pursuit of a bear suspected in the attack. The hounds pursued the bear to the, to the Florida River and CPW officers followed in steep and treacherous terrain following the GPS signal from the collars of the dogs. At 10.53pm, APHIS agents shot and killed the bear. Because the bear made contact with a human, it is classified under CPW policy as an attack, and the agency's policy is to euthanize the bear on site. The male bear, estimated to be approximately 8 years old and weighing 250 pounds, had wounds in the chest area when it was killed, but officers were unable to determine if it was from a gunshot wound fired from the victim during the attack. This is the difficult part of the job. Archuleta said, but when it comes to injuries to humans as a result of a predator attack, human health and safety is our top priority. This is the first bear attack in Colorado in 2023 and the first in La Plana County since April of 2021. CPW collected evidence from the deceased bear and several DNA samples that were sent to CPW Wildlife Health Lab in Fort Collins for testing and to compare it with samples collected at the attack scene, authorities said. Additionally, sheep wool was found in the bear's stomach contents and the animal will be checked for disease such as rabies because the victim was bitten by the animal. Until we get the results back from the lab regarding DNA testing, we cannot 100% confirm that this is the offending bear, Archuleta said. But based on the information we have at this time, we feel confident that it is the offending bear. There you go. What a That was a great news article. That was a very good scratch of the day, I, I must say. Well done to John Hayworth and Eyewitness News. A very detailed article. Obviously very glad that that man survived. Obviously sad that the bear has to be put down. But as we said many times on the show, uh, when a bear attacks a human once, it is likely to do it again if he gets away with it. So unfortunately, that is the, pro the policy. And uh, yeah, that's probably for the best. Let's move on now to our next story. Uh, this headline says, All it takes is one bite. Orange County receives positive rabies test after a fox attacks on a fox attack on Sunday. A dog and its owner were attacked by a rabid fox over the weekend. WRAL News spoke with two animal experts to learn what you should do if you see a rabid animal in the wild and what to do if you or your pet is exposed. This was written on the 12th of July. Uh, I cannot see a byline, so we can... Oh, but by Aaron Thomas. Thank you, Aaron Thomas. Orange County Animal Services received a positive rabies test Tuesday afternoon after a wild animal attack on Sunday. According to the North Carolina State Laboratory of Public Health, the incident involved a fox and occurred at Schneely... At Schill? How do you say this? S-C-H-L-E-Y. Schley Road in Hillsborough, North Carolina. The case originated on Sunday, July 9th, when the fox had an altercation with a dog and the dog's owner. 
The person was outside with his dog, and my understanding is they were there for recreation, a spokesperson for Orange County Animal Services said. The spokesperson said that while foxes were very curious and even bold at times, they are not generally aggressive animals. This fox suddenly appeared and was being very aggressive, which is not normal, the spokesperson said. Fox attacks on people, including children, are rare. The spokesperson said that the owner of the dog was injured by the fox and sought medical treatment but could not provide other medical information or details. <clears throat> Animal control was contacted and they removed the fox for rabies testing. The article then goes on to ask this question, how to tell if an animal has rabies and what to do if you're exposed. Paige Wells, a veterinarian with Care First Animal Hospital, stressed the importance of getting tested for rabies immediately after exposure. All it takes is one bite, Wages said. If an animal is not vaccinated and they are exposed, they can shed it. Rabies kills people all over the world on an annual basis. Wages said that foxes and raccoons are some of the biggest spreaders of the disease and gave some tips on what to look out for if you suspect an animal might have rabies. If you see them out during weird hours of the day, Wages explained, they're kind of wandering around and drooling sometimes. Sometimes they're neurological. They sway back and forth and act a bit different. Greg Batts with the North Carolina Wildlife Commission said that animals with some cases of rabies don't have to bite you to spread it. There's also a passive form, Batts said. It can walk around, spaced out. Batts said that rabies is nearly 100% fatal and it's not something you want to mess around with. The best solution, according to Wages, is to make sure that your pets are vaccinated and that you're not, and if you're exposed, you get an exposure vaccine as soon as possible. And make sure that you check your pets at home. Cats and dogs must be vaccinated, Wages said. If they get bit and they come into the house, they could expose everybody and you're all doing the shots together. There you go. Well, uh, yeah, rabid fox, very sad. We'll move on to our final story, hopefully the cutest one, although we'll see how we go. Uh, a California surfer was warned about aggressive otters after an animal attack is filmed attacking surfboards. Watch. Uh, it's from People Magazine online by Michael Lee Simpson. Officials are trying to capture the endangered animal for a health check, but she's been quite talented at evading us, a Monterey Bay Aquarium employee said. Surfers should be careful of a hostile sea otter attacking people in the waters near West Cliff Drive in Santa Cruz. According to the LA Times, the female otter has been harassing surfers and trying to steal their boards since mid-June. A video captured by Hefty Brunold on Sunday shows how an aggressive five-year-old creature attacks. In the clip, the otter bites, thrashes, and claws at the occupant of a surfboard while the surfer tries to paddle away with the board. In the past five days now, there's been more incidents of it. Native Santa Cruz photographer Mark Woodward sold ABC7 News. They've also been much more aggressive. I have photographed a lot of these otters over the years. I've never seen anything like this. It was a true wrestling match over the surfboard, Woodard told the outlet about the recent otter attack incident that he'd caught on tape. And the person finally got it away, and it was damaged. Basically, the board was destroyed. Uh... Woon Lee, a 40-year-old software engineer who works at Apple, shared his experience encountering the, off, the otter with the LA Times. I was scared. I tried to swim away, but before I was able to get far, it bit my leash, Lee said when the otter attacked him, describing the cord that surfers wear around their ankles. So I panicked. 
In a response to the observed rise in otter attacks, signs have been posted along Santa Cruz's shoreline to inform visitors about the upset animal. Wooded posted a shot of one of the signs on Twitter. The sign reads, Warning! Aggressive sea otter in the area. Enter the water at your own risk. Keep away from marine wildlife. Interesting. The marine mammal, also known as Otter 841, was seen attempting to steal at least three other surfboards in the Santa Cruz area over the weekend, according to the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. Otter 841 is a Californian sea otter, an endangered species born in captivity at the Monterey Bay Aquarium and then released into the wild after she was weaned, according to the outlet. Upon her release, Otter 841 was tagged so that she could be monitored. It's quite a large otter. I've got to tell you, I was thinking it would be a lot smaller, but I'm looking at a photo now. It's quite large. By 2021, officials were receiving reports that the sea otter was climbing onto kayaks and surfboards. The animal has escalated to a more aggressive behavior over the last few years. CDFW officials intend to catch the otter and to bring her back to the Monterey Bay Aquarium for a veterinary check. After the otter is secured, she will stay at the aquarium until a more permanent home is found. She's been quite talented at evading us, Jessica Fuji, the Sea Otter Program Manager at the Monterey Bay Aquarium, told the New York Times and the, about the CDFW and the aquarium's apprehension efforts so far. Fuji told the Los Angeles Times that Otter 841's behavior differs from other aggressive sea otters that the aquarium has seen. I would not characterize this as a common behavior for sea otters. We have seen similar instances, you know, over the last several decades, but the persistent pattern and this particular otter is fairly unique, she said. So there you go, another interesting story. I found a lot of similarities to one of the stories that we covered last week about a, a sea lion who would attack a young boy, I believe in California too. Potentially those stories are linked because what was happening with the sea lion was that there was an algae bloom happening in the ocean. And the algae bloom, it's fine for fish. The fish can ingest the algae, but the, 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 the weird, uh, yeah, basically when a mammal eats the fish, it can then uh, develop neurological symptoms and behavioral issues uh, because of the ingested algae. So it could be that. It sounds like a, if it's really weird behavior from this otter, it could be that, but the algae bloom unlikely was happening since 2021. So it could just be that this otter is a bit of a, a bit of a nasty little jerk potentially. Okay, that is our scratch of the day uh, done. Of course, as always, if you want to read those articles yourself, you can. I always link them in the description uh, of the podcast, so I believe you can just click on those links. If not, you can just search them up. But uh, yeah, ha have a look if you want to. There's some interesting photos for all those as well. And let's move on to our next subject, our final topic of today. Let's talk about a beastly biography. <laughs> a beastly biography today we are talking about an animal that i've been really interested in for a while we're talking about the arctic wolf so the arctic wolf it's not an animal that we've had a chance to talk about before um the arctic wolf it's a, also known as a polar wolf a white wolf or a melville island wolf it's a subspecies of the gray wolf the Arctic wolf, it's a subspecies of grey wolf. These wolves spend their lives in the Arctic tundra, higher than higher than the normal tree, sorry, the northern tree line. They are the only wolves in the world with their colouring, unique due to the environment in which they live. Due to their isolation, Arctic wolves are not under threat by habitat destruction and hunting, as some of their southern relatives are, and are the only wolf subspecies that is not threatened. 
So the Arctic wolf's population size, it's estimated to be about 200,000 units, which is quite large. Their lifespan, they can live anywhere between 7 to 17 years, and their top speed on land is 65 kilometers per hour, which is very fast. They can weigh between 32 to 70 kilograms. They can reach heights of up to 97 centimeters, and generally they can grow up to length of about 1.8 meters. The Arctic wolf. So their appearance, they're 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 medium size, and they're distinguished from other northeastern wolves by their smaller size and their wider coloration, their narrower brain case, and their larger canassels. Uh, let's talk about their habitat and their lifestyle. So Arctic wolves are social animals and they live in packs numbering seven to eight related animals. Within the pack, there is a very complex social order and every member has a place in the dominance hierarchy. Each wolf knows its position through its body posture communication. The pack's leader is almost always a male, and usually he only oh, sorry, usually only he and the dominant female mate. However, all pack members share the responsibility of looking after the pups. These animals do not hibernate because during the winter months, such of because during the winter, much of the species that they prey on are active, especially at this time. They are awake either during the day or at night and are generally diurnal. Arctic wolves hunt in packs and then share the kill. The wolf has a few different means of communication. They howl for many different reasons, such as signaling their location to the other pack members or bringing in members together for a hunt. A howl can also warn neighboring wolves to stay away from their territory. They use scent markings to communicate territorial boundaries as well as their presence to other wolves. So where do they live? So these wolves, uh, they live in Northern uh, Northern America, Europe, Asia, Africa. Uh, the the, can, the can, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, they live in Canada and the United States. So I think that might be a little bit wrong information there. If they're only from North America then, Canada and the United States. So scratch the Europe, Asia, and Africa part. Uh, Arctic wolves are found in the Arctic regions. Oh, never mind. They are in Europe. The Arctic regions of Greenland and North America. They live amongst the Arctic tundra on land that is covered with ice and snow, except briefly in the summer months. They also occur in the Arctic region's Glacier Valley, nor uh, northern rolling hills and ice fields in shallow lakes. Interesting. Arctic wolves are predatory carnivores that eat a wide variety of food, hunting in packs for musk, oxen, and caribou. Um, now, obviously, uh, they're, not, they're not a threatened uh, species of wolf. They are a wolf, though, so they do pose a fair amount of risk to a human. I uh, don't have any information here about any attacks, but I would imagine if you're stuck in the Arctic, one of the last things you want to do is come across a pack of these wolves. Food can be scarce, and you can become their lunch. How about we hear some fun little facts? When Arctic wolves hunt as a pack, one adult member will always stay behind as a puppy sitter. That's adorable. Arctic wolves travel much further than wolves of the forest when they're looking for food, and they sometimes do not eat for several days. The Arctic wolf can cope with sub-zero temperatures, as well as five months of total darkness each year. They're an incredibly resilient animal. During the winter, these wolves grow a second layer of fur to protect themselves against the cold. Now, like other, other animals, such as domestic dogs, Arctic wolves have a mechanism that maintains their paws at a temperature lower than the body core, thus minimizing heat loss in them, although they are in contact with the frozen ground. Going, uh, blood going into their paws heats the blood that is leaving, preventing their core from getting cooled by the loss of heat through their feet. The feet of ducks and penguins also have similar characteristics. And all wolf pups are born with blue eyes, later changing to a brown or a golden color. 
Isn't that adorable? I like these animals. They're very, very cute. If you want to learn more about them, I'm sure you can find a lot more information about them. This is just a little brief beastly biography. And guys, that's our episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into uh, dangerous birds and our scratch of the day and, of course, learning about the Arctic wolf just now. Before we go, I want to give a few shout-outs to some beautiful bastards. Uh, Brayden, who uh, messaged me on Instagram, a lovely comment about one of the episodes. He says he listens to the show while driving to work, and I said, to him please drive safe because I can put people to sleep sometimes apparently I also want to shout out uh, Andrew who is a friend of mine who listens to the show and uh, yeah very sweet man very nice guy and he said some nice things about the show I believe the episode uh, about the movie Rogue he listened to so Thanks to those guys. As always, if you'd like to have your say, uh, you can head to our social media pages, Instagram at Man Eaters Podcast. Uh, you, that's a great way to talk to me. Send me a DM. Uh, I also post, I'm going to start posting a little bit more on Instagram. I've been a bit slack lately. Um, but yeah, I, I think it would be a, a great thing for you to do. Go and follow me over there. I always post reminders there that uh, new episodes are coming out and I will be posting more uh, quizzes and questions and stuff like that. One that I'm about to post and you can check now because it will already be up. I want to know where you're from. Uh, analytics tell me that a lot of you are from the United States. Uh, I want to know exactly where you're from. So so let me know. Answer that. Um, you, I will not share your name, obviously, but I just want to know uh, where you're listening from and how you're listening. So that'd be lovely. And one other thing you can do for me, apart from following the Spotify, uh, sorry, following the uh, Instagram, is going to Spotify and following me there and hitting the, the bell so that you get notifications that that's, uh, a new episode's coming up. It really does help me out. And while you're there, hey, why not give us a little bit of a five-star rating. I believe we've got over 100 um, reviews now. I asked uh, you guys a few weeks ago to give us a review and uh, I think we, we did hit the 100 mark. I'm just checking now. Yeah, we've, oh, we're up to 111, but we're only at a 4.3, guys. So make sure you give it a five-star review. It really does help me out and it helps me stay competitive with the other True Crime podcasts and the educational podcasts that are coming out as well. I also want to give a shout out to some other podcasts. Um, there's a few that I've been listening to. I was listening to one called The History of Australia, which is a really interesting one. I was also listening to uh, called one called Apes Among Us, um, which is the official podcast of the North American Wood Ape Conservatory, which is interesting. And there was one more I was listening to. It was called Mystery History Podcast. So yeah, go go ahead and listen to all those and uh, tell them I sent you. Uh, yeah, it's a nice thing to do. All right, guys, have a fantastic week. We are back next week with an episode all about animal attacks that have occurred inside zoos. I'm very excited for that. And then the week after that, we have our 60th episode. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. 60 episodes. I can't believe it. We're going to talk about the Grizzly Man. We're going to talk about the Grizzly Man. Uh, the uh, what, What's his name? Grizzly, Grizzly Adams. That's what I'm thinking of. Mountain Man Grizzly Adams. I also just got distracted then because I think I did a whole bit at the beginning of this episode saying that, like, episode 69 was next week. And I got really excited because it's a sex number. Um, but no, it's like, it's 59. It's 59 next week. We have ages to 69. Guys, you and I have ages until we're 69, so I don't know what you're all excited for, okay? Calm down. That'll be that'll be an exciting one we can look forward to. <laughs> Next week is episode 59, the week after that. Episode 60. All right, have a fantastic week. Look after yourselves. Please stay safe, because as we've learned today, it's a jungle out there.